St. Cloud. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jack. All right, so the Timberwolves got it going in the uh, second half, specifically third quarter, and they uh, end up winning pretty easily against Washington, 118-107. Your thoughts on last night's win? Yet another slow start, uh, really lacked defensively, even the first few uh, possessions, but then they got it going, and the big three dominated. Edwards was spectacular. Uh, Sounds had another really good game. Gobert was dominant inside, scoring, dunking, rebounding, blocking shots, altering shots. Um, and we also got the officials report from the end of the, uh, the Charlotte game. And they said that the officials missed 10 calls in the last two minutes. Seven of them went against Carl Anthony Towns. And they said he was fouled twice on that last drive, uh, and didn't get a call, which is just, it's honestly, it's infuriating at this point that he doesn't get more calls and as badly as he played against Charlotte, you know, they, if he gets the call, maybe they win that game. So, but they played better, um. Still, I still don't think they're at their peak defensively, but and they have a, a back-to-back tonight in Brooklyn, uh, which would be, you know, something of a challenge. It'll be interesting if Conley can come back and play at this point. Uh, they're still kind of struggling at the backup point guard position. Shake Milton is just not having it. He's having a terrible season. Jordan McLaughlin gives you a burst here and there. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's kind of amazing. We're looking at this team. We can criticize effort some nights. We can criticize defense some nights. We can say that they don't have a backup point guard. Uh, you know, Troy Brown Jr. has fallen out of the rotation. Shake Milton's been bad. Kyle Anderson's having a bad shooting year. And they still have the best record in the West. It, it's pretty remarkable that uh, it, it's still a great season. We're, you know, we have every right to critique them on a nightly basis, uh, but, but they're still having a great season. So one of the uh, you, know, you you've been talking about uh, Tyus Jones as a possibility in trade. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, I saw as a name that popped up. Um, I, I know he's playing for Portland. I, is he a guy that would make sense if they can't get Tyus? He would make some sense. Yeah, um, they need somebody. And listen, you know, in modern NBA, you don't necessarily need a pure pass-first point guard. You need somebody who can play the position and be an offensive threat. And you know, they need somebody to help them with their turnover ratio. Need somebody to run the the offense and be able to play defense when Mike Conley is either not available or just you know to help limit his minutes. They can't afford to burn him out. He's just too important to them, especially in fourth quarters. Uh, I mean, I'd rather have Tyus Jones, but they might not be able to get Tyus Jones. It's, the price is going to be high, and that you know uh, the Gobert trade did cost them trade capital. Obviously, they traded a lot to get Gobert, and you know so they have to figure out. How much they're willing to trade? Are they willing to trade more draft picks? Do they have pieces that other teams would want? I, I don't think it's going to be – I think everybody knows they want a, a backup point guard. The question is, who can they afford to get? And how much are they willing to spend? And those are kind of a mystery right now. Is there value in guys like Wendell Moore Jr. or Minot? I don't know. Um you have to hope that somebody on an NBA staff had a connection to them or had seen them play in the G League or, or really thought they had high upside. So, yeah, you'd probably have to put some kind of package, either draft picks or promising young players like Minot and Wendell Moore Jr. Um, or expiring contracts like Shake Milton um, and Troy Brown Jr. You know, And maybe it would have to be a three-team deal where you know, the Wolves could trade you know, expiring contracts and a couple of young players and and somebody else could contribute the draft picks that somebody might want. And, you know, there's there's probably a really complicated out the deal out there that would make sense. I don't know if they're going to be able to get somebody like Tyus Jones for just a straight team-to-team trade. Jim, the uh, 
big offseason for the Vikings coming up. When you look at the the rest of the NFC North, um, both the uh, Packers and Lions, Lions are still playing. Packers had a pretty good year and certainly finished well in the playoffs. Uh, the Bears get a lot of high draft picks, so they seem to have at least some reason for optimism. Uh, the Vikings, there, there seems to be a lot of fan concern, anxiety in regards to Cousins and can they keep all the players that they want to keep. Um, are the Vikings pretty confident they can do it? Viking fan anxiety. I, I'm not familiar with this. Can you can you explain this to me? <laughs> You've been working with that for a long time, Jim. You know how it is. Hmm. Viking. I I still remember. I, I covered the Cowboys in 1999. They went one uh, and And then I came here to cover the defending NFC Central champion Vikings in two, in in 1990. Uh, Cowboys fans were more optimistic about their one or fifteen team than Vikings fans were about their division champion, uh, and it has continued uh, as such. Uh, it listen, the Packers look really promising. The Lions look really good. The Bears look really promising if they make the right moves. But let's also remember, a year ago, the Vikings absolutely dominated this division. It looked like they were set up to dominate the division for a long time. They had in, they had a lot of injuries this year, uh, so they've they had injury problems. Now they have. Um, you know, personnel challenges they have. And, but, you know, and I would recommend people listen to the Jeff Diamond uh, podcast on my talk, my, the talk North podcast network. Uh, he's really good at breaking things down. They are in a good shape salary cap wise. They had got about 25, 30 million available. If Harrison Smith retires, they'll have about 40 million. They're going to get rid of Marcus Davenport. Um, they're in pretty good shape financially. They just need, and Jeff says that, the logical deal to be made is a two-year deal for Cousins for about $90 million, plus you can play salary cap games and add voidable years and structure it in a way that helps you, benefits your salary cap. They will actually save money on the salary cap when they get the Justin Jefferson deal done. Uh, I know salary cap stuff is weird, but it's true. They can sign Justin Jefferson to a record-setting deal and will actually help them against the salary cap. Um, that will create space to sign Daniil Hunter. If they get Cousins, Jefferson, and Hunter back, and then they use that first pick wisely, whether it's a future quarterback or immediate defensive help, and then they go get a better player than Marcus Davenport, you know, a more available player than Marcus Davenport in free agency, all of a sudden they could look very much like the team that won 13 games a year ago. Jim, can the Vikings bring in a quarterback either in the first or second round um, and not create the type of controversy that the Packers did each time when they when they replaced Favre and then they replaced Rodgers? Yes. Uh, first of all, Favre and Rodgers both egomaniacs. Uh, second of all, they felt like they were one player away from winning a Super Bowl or winning another Super Bowl, and they also were very insecure human beings who didn't like the idea that their replacement was being brought in. Favre treated Rodgers horribly. I don't think Rodgers treated Love horribly, but I also don't think he thought it was his responsibility to help Love develop. Cousins is a is 35 years old. He's never won a Super Bowl. He's not a future Hall of Famer. He's not an egomaniac. Uh, he likes it here, and I think he's a good teammate. I think he would, I think he would understand that you know, hey, I can make 90 million dollars for two more years. Who knows? Maybe the other guy doesn't pan out and I can beat him out and play three or four more years here. I think he's more realistic human being. Um, and he's coming off an Achilles 
injury. And he is, he's won one playoff game his entire life, so he's not going to have the market value that Farver Rogers would. People aren't going to just destroy their franchise to bring him in. So to me, it's a completely different situation. Jim, is uh, Michael Penix Jr. a possibility for the Vikings at 11? Is that too soon? Would he? I, I mean, I, I, there will be a lot more talk about this between now and April, but just wanted to get your take on where he might be positioned at, at this moment. I think Penix will definitely be available at 11. I think his championship game performance, uh, the fact that he's not the biggest guy in the world, will probably hurt his draft stock. I still like him. I, I really think what's going to happen here is that uh, is that Caleb Williams – Jane Daniels and uh, Brock May are going to go maybe first three picks, but certainly three of the first six picks or whatever. They're going to be gone well before the Vikings pick. And then I think there's going to be a drop where people take the two best receivers, the best offensive linemen, the best edge rushers, and then you're getting down to like 9, 10, 11, where people are start looking at quarterback again. So I think the Vikings are going to have a chance at either Penix, McCarthy, Bo Nix at 11. I think eventually we'll figure out, we'll have some sources who will tell us who the Vikings really like. Last year, they loved Anthony Richardson and didn't have, have a shot at him. And they didn't like uh, Hendon Hooper uh, from Tennessee. I think we'll get more information as the offseason unwinds here. My guess is they're going to really like one of those three. And one of those three is going to be available at 11. And I think they'll probably take the play, the quarterback they like there. Is Penix still your favorite amongst those three? He's still my favorite. I am intrigued by McCarthy, too. I, I, Bo Nix is a really a really interesting player as well. Uh, McCarthy's really interesting. He didn't have to throw the ball a lot because my, Michigan had such a great running game. Uh, but when he did throw the ball, he, he's very talented. He's accurate. He's a very good athlete. He runs the ball extremely well. He has leadership characteristics, uh, a very dedicated guy. Um Penix, I still like a lot. Um, and maybe the fact that he had a bad game, the championship game will benefit him, uh, benefit the Vikings. Maybe it'll it'll hurt his draft stock enough that he's available to them and maybe they are going to really like him. I think what Penix is going to have to do is sometime this offseason do something to establish that he's, you know, physically stout enough to take NFL hits and that he can throw under pressure. And that's hard to prove in the offseason. Um, you know, his the analytics say he's he's exceptional in a clean pocket. He's exceptional when moving around. He's not exceptional when he's standing in a pocket that's collapsing. So, you know, that's the question. So what the Vikings and other NFL teams are going to have to do is say, okay, is that something that can be improved or is that just who he is? One last one for you, Jim. Uh, Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL going to coach the Chargers. Thoughts on that? Very predictable. Uh, he he played for the Chargers for a bit. Uh, he coached at San Diego, uh, you know, I think University of San Diego for a while. He has a great relationship with the Spanos family. Uh, he gets to go into the NFL with a, a franchise that already has a franchise quarterback, that already has a premier pass rusher, that already has a all-pro style safety, uh, and that has still some significant offensive talent, even though it's aging a little bit. They also have the fifth pick in the draft. Um, they lost seven games by three points or fewer last year. Brandon Staley obviously was a terrible coach. I think Harbaugh could come in and win there right away. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, really good emergency chin music with Roy Smalley and myself talking about Joe Maurer. 
Also talking about Tory Hunter and his potential candidacy and whether he deserves better than he's gotten from the voters. Also got into Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, uh, talked about some other things. Uh, also about, talked about just the way the, the Twins organization keeps their former players around. That's a really good show. It's, a, again, the Chin Music uh, baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Uh, I check that out. And uh, also check out Jeff Diamond's show again because he really breaks down the salary cap really well. And everything's at TalkNorth.com. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jake. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune sports columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. News is next.